Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from a midweek service with Pastor Ralph Gonzalez in a message he's entitled, Accuser of the Brethren. Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount, and then check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Never mind. Praise the Lord. And uh, God is so good. And just once again, thank you, Pastor Omar and Letty, for uh, giving us the privilege to come here and minister the Word of God. It's always a great joy to be here at Praise Chapel uh, Paramount, amen, where revival is truly taking place, amen. I'm so grateful for this ministry. I'm so grateful for your pastor, even though throughout the year during the NFL, he's always just throwing me little texts and reminders, you know, when the Raiders lose, you know. But, uh, you know, 11-0 and 0 never looked so bad on the Steelers, amen, when they were, you know. We always give each other a bad time, but honestly, I'm so grateful for your pastor. He's been just a faithful friend, someone I can call and talk to about many things, and so I'm just so grateful for him. Ain't you grateful for your pastor, amen? Praise the Lord, amen. And so thank you for having us. Uh, before I get into the word and prayer, amen, as Pastor Omar said, we're in the process of, uh, you know, going and uh, pioneering a new work in Barcelona, Spain. It's been almost three years in the making. The Lord spoke to us very clearly, and uh, it's just been the process, and uh, all the churches that we have in the Bay Area and overseas, everybody's, you know, we're all in this, amen, and uh, praise God is good, and the churches in the Bay Area are doing great, and uh, now it's time for us to go there and start a new work, amen? So God is so good, and we're just looking forward to it, but please, when you remember us, uh, please pray for us. I covet your prayers. We covet your prayers. I believe in the power of prayer, so please pray for us. Amen? So without further ado, I want to get praying. Amen? Let's get going here. Let's, I want you to stand to your feet with me. Amen? And I want you to, just to close your eyes with me, and I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now as a sign of surrenderance. Come on, just close your eyes with me. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Almighty God. Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for just another beautiful day that you have made, God. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I pray that tonight, God, that the message you placed in my spirit to minister and speak to this beautiful people, God, I pray that it would touch their hearts in a very personal and powerful way, God. I pray over everyone right now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, God. Let the eyes of everyone's understanding be enlightened and give them all ears to hear what your spirit, God, is saying to them personally. And Lord, I confess my uttermost dependency upon you. For Lord, I know that apart from you, I can do nothing. But through you, I can do all things. And so Lord, I receive the anointing, the wisdom, and the words to speak tonight. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that I don't have to worry about what I'll say in this hour because you will give me the words to speak. I thank you for that promise. And Lord, in this house, we pray continuously, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You may be seated. Glory to God. You know, uh, I was praying about what to minister tonight and this is a fresh word that the Lord put in my spirit. And I'm going to minister a message that I've titled, The Accuser of the Brethren. Amen? Now, as we all know, Satan is God's greatest enemy. 
and therefore the enemy of every Christian as well. Can you say amen? Listen to me. Satan hates you. Hello. Never forget that. He's not your friend. I can't stress it enough. He's not your friend. This is why each of us experience daily warfare. How many experience some spiritual warfare today? Raise your hand. Oh, wow. Every one of you. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> right? They're constantly, you know, Satan and his angels are constantly attacking us. And, 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 and we're, we're engaged in spiritual warfare every single day. Why? Because Satan's mission statement for your life is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his mission statement for your life. Hello, somebody. Now, where is the place that we hear him or he speaks, to, speaks his lies to us? It's in our minds, correct? This is where he shoots his fiery darts into our minds. And the reason Satan attacks our minds so much is because he knows what takes place in our minds will affect our whole being, body, soul, and spirit. I mean, think about it. If you've ever battled with depression, right? You, 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 what was happening? You were losing the battle in your mind. You were focused on a negative possibility, and because you were focused on a negative possibility, it, it, it even paralyzed you to the point where you were probably even balled up in your bed and you couldn't even move. You couldn't even function. Why? All because of what was going on in your mind. Oh, hello, somebody. And you were feeling all messed up. Why? Because our feelings are attached to our thoughts. What you're dwelling upon is going to affect your feelings. And so therefore, he shoots his fiery darts into your minds because he wants your mind to be consumed on negative possibilities, on doubts, on fears. He wants to get you anxious. Hello, somebody. So he can paralyze you. This is true. You know, if you really ever want to help somebody in their walk with God and, and they're really struggling, just simply ask him this question. What are you dwelling upon? I mean, we, we, you know, we want to really get to the root of help, helping somebody get free. Simply ask them, what are you dwelling upon? Because what they're dwelling upon is affecting their whole being. It's affecting them. If they're all feeling all down, they're feeling all depressed, ask them, what are you dwelling upon? And see, if the moment you can get that person out of a place of fear into faith is the moment they could be free. The moment they can shift their focus off a negative possibility onto the promise of God, then they can be free. Always remember, there's a promise for your problem. For every problem, there's a promise in God's word. And that's what you have to focus upon. That's what you have to dwell upon. And if you'll do that, then in the midst of the fire, you still can have joy. You can still have peace. Because your mind is focused on the promise of God. Because we know that all the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. Right? You know, when we walk in faith, it doesn't deny circumstances at hand, but it just knows that my current situation is not my final answer. God's word is. Amen? Are you hearing me tonight? This is what we have to focus upon. But this is why Satan attacks our minds so much. See, Satan knows that if he can take control of our minds, 
he can take control of us. He knows that if he can defeat us in our minds, he can cause us to live defeated as believers. Hello, somebody. He knows that through our minds, if we let him, he can deceive us into even doing sinful things and even backslide. People that backslide, they lost the battle in their mind. They bid a lie. They believed a lie. Hello? See, these are some of the main reasons why Satan attacks our minds so much. See, what I want you to understand today is this. Any area that you're not living by the truth of God's word in is an area that you're living by a lie. Hello? And any, and, and, and any area that you're living by a lie is an area that Satan has deceived you in your thinking. And, and it's in that area that he's constantly defeating you and robbing you from being and having all that God has for your life. So, so you got to understand that. So what happens is in those areas that we're believing lies, we're settling for less than God's best for our lives. Amen? See, this is why we need to renew our minds with the truth of God's word, as we'll look at in a little bit. See, when Satan attacks us, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't come and say, Hi, I'm the devil. I'm Satan. I've come here to destroy you and your family. He doesn't do that. He don't do that. He plays dirty. He, he's cunning. He comes with his little questions and suggestions that almost sound like God. And what he wants you to do with his little questions and suggestions, amen, is to cause you to put in the question the character of God and your identity in Christ. Why? Because if he can get you to doubt God, then he gets you to disobey God. And if he can get you to question your identity in Christ, he can keep you from walking in your full capacity. When you're, when, see, when you know, when, when you're doubting who you are and what you have in Christ, you won't walk in victory or in God-given authority. You won't. You'll walk powerless. You'll walk defeated. You'll be a paralyzed Christian. Hello, somebody. You will walk weak and defeated. That's why, listen to me, this may sound hard, that the devil don't care if you come to church, but he does care if you actually believe the word of God. He has no problem with you coming to church as long as you don't actually believe the Bible. He don't care if you sing Kumbaya, my Lord, and get all emotional. He don't care if you give. He don't care if you do all the, you know, Christian calisthenics and, and, and talk Christianese. He don't care about all that. But he does care if you actually believe God's word. He does care if you actually obey it. Because then you become dangerous to his kingdom. Yeah. This is true. Are you hearing me tonight? He has no problem with doubting Christians. Hello? Because they're paralyzed. They're alive, but they can't function. They're alive, but they ain't moving. Like a paralyzed person. They're just paralyzed spiritually. Now in Scripture, 
Satan has several names he's referred to, which also refers to his nature and character. Look on the screen here. They'll have a, a, a bunch of the things here. This is what he's called and referred to in Scripture, a murderer and a liar, prince of the power of the air, ruler of this world, the wicked one, the dragon, serpent, adversary, Beelzebub, the tempter, the enemy, the ruler of demons, the God of this world. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan means adversary. Adversary is defined a person, group, or force that opposes or attacks opponent's enemy foe. He's also referred to as the devil. Devil means accuser, slanderer. Accuser is defined to charge with a shortcoming or error to make charge of wrongdoing against another. Accuser to be a plaintiff, to charge with some offense. Accuse, object, outline of biblical usage to accuse before a judge, to make an accusation of an extrajudicial accusation. See, that's who our enemy is. This is who we're up against. We need to know who it is we're having daily warfare with. Now look on the screen here, and I want to read Revelations, Revelation 12, 9 through 11. Revelation 12, 9 through 11. Look what the word of the Lord says. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. One commentary writes about these verses. The first two chapters of Job make it clear that Satan now has access to heaven. And Zechariah 3 reveals that Satan accuses the saints before the throne of God. In the middle of the tribulation, in the future, Satan will be cast out of heaven to the earth. Now, as we read, Satan is relentless. Listen to me. He is relentless in his accusations against God's children before our God. And as we all know, Satan, the accuser, and, amen, and his angels desire to remind us of our past our current shortcomings and try to cause us to even fear our future and our eternity so that we're always living as paralyzed sons and daughters of God. That's why he's constantly trying to make us feel guilty and unworthy to be a part of God's family. And this is why so many Christians constantly say over their, in their minds, am I even saved? Listen to me. 
Satan wants you to fear your eternity. Always remember this. Every saint has a past, but they also have a future in Christ. If you were to go through the lives of, a, of the great heroes of the Bible, <laughs> right? The, 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 the superheroes of the Bible, right? You would see that they not only had a past as an unbeliever, but also, amen, as a believer. Let, let me give you a few uh, right here on this list. Think about it. Noah, he got drunk. Abraham lied. Look on the screen here. Abraham lied and said his wife Sarah was his sister. Jacob was a deceiver. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Moses murdered a man. Rahab was a harlot. David had an affair and had a man murdered. Solomon had a woman problem. Jonah ran from the call of God. Peter denied Christ. Saul or Paul, who was the chief of all sinners, persecuted the church and tried to destroy it. Hello, somebody. This is just the name of few people. Amen. And, and guess what? God still loved them. Hello. And God still used them. Hello. Now, I'm not saying that any of those sins are okay to do. We don't preach greasy grace, amen? We don't preach sloppy agape, amen? <laughs> we, we preach the truth, amen? That, that, those, those, those are sins. It's not good to do those things, amen? <laughs> amen? See, there's always consequences, but if we confess our sins and turn from them, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The only point is this. The point I'm trying to make is that even believers fall and make mistakes. Have you made a mistake since you've been a believer? Yeah, just maybe. Huh? We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short. Amen? Are you kidding what I'm saying? But I want to stress to you that those mistakes didn't disqualify you. When we fall short, what we need to do is just take ownership. Right away, say, God, forgive me. You, you know what? You know what? You know why God wants us to confess our sins? Pay attention. You know why? One of the main reasons why he wants us to confess our sins is because he wants us to call sin, sin. He wants us to put sin in its right place. He doesn't want us to water it down. Oh, it wasn't that bad. It's just, you know, a little struggle in my life. No, 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 no. It's sin. And God, forgive me for falling short. Forgive me for this area, Lord. That's what God wants you to do. Amen? Amen. He wants you to call sin, sin. Tell your neighbor, call sin, sin. Call sin, sin. Say, I need to call sin, sin. But the amazing thing is this. God is faithful and just to forgive us when we confess our sins. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. We're all going to fall short, but that's not an excuse to keep doing it. Listen to me. It's important to know this because Satan, the accuser of the brethren, wants to disqualify you every single time you fall short. Every time you fall short, oh, you, you know, there ain't no hope for you. You're done. 
You ain't, you ain't saved no more. You ain't going to heaven. Hello? Amen? Pay attention to this. I can just imagine Satan standing before God, telling him all the bad things we've done. Don't you see what he did, God? Don't you see what he was doing earlier? Don't you see what he just did? Come on, don't you see this? Come on, this is, don't you see it? He's, he's falling short. He's doing this. He's sinning. Don't you see it? And God says, yeah, you're right. They've done all those things. But I personally paid the price for all those sins. Therefore, whoever asks for forgiveness is forgiven. Listen to me. The Lord spoke this so clearly to me. Our judge is also our justifier. Let that sink in. Our judge is also our justifier. The one you're fearing to stand before is the very one who justifies you. The one you're fearing to stand before is the very one who forgives you. The one you are fearing to stand before is the very one who says, I call you my own. So our judge is our justifier. I don't think you can find more comforting words than that. The very one that we're going to stand before is the very one who justifies us. The very one. That, now you understand something. As believers, we don't have to worry about a judgment of hell. There's two different types of judgment in the Bible. The great white throne judgment, which is for unbelievers, and the beam of seat of Christ, which is for believers. That's for us, where we get our rewards. Our judgment for sin took place the moment we received Christ as Lord and Savior. He paid the price for all sin, so therefore our judgment, our payment for sin was paid for, right? And we received that, amen? Justification, that freedom, that forgiveness, the moment we receive Christ into our heart as Lord and Savior. Amen? Are you understanding this? Now catch what I'm about to say. I want to give you a picture of this. I want to give you a picture that our judge is also our justifier. It's a, it, look, at it, look at this right here. Zechariah 3, 1 through 4. I hope they have it on the screen here. This is powerful. Let this come alive to your spirit that our judge is our justifier. That, watch this. Zechariah 3, 1 through 4. And then NLT says, Then the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser. Satan was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Joshua. He's making accusations against him. And watch this. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations. Woo-hoo! Huh? Man, he fell short. He did this. He did that. He did that. Yeah, I hear it, but I reject your accusations. ha. <laughs> I reject it. Glory to God. Amen. Satan, yes. Amen. The, yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Joshua's clothing, amen, was filthy as he stood there before the angel. Watch this. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. 
And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins. And now I'm giving you these fine new clothes. Are you seeing this? Our judge is our justifier. Are you getting this? Yeah, we've sinned. We've fallen short. (laughs) But we have one who stands there for us. Can you say amen? Romans 8.33 says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Now, some of you may be wondering, what does this word justify mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look on the screen. Amen? Justified is defined to declare innocent or guiltless, absolve, acquit. The word justified means to be declared righteous, to be innocent or acquitted by a court of law. See, see, God sees believers, amen, as innocent, just as if they've never sinned. See, when you gave your life to Christ and put your faith in him, at that very moment, you were justified. This is true. Listen to me. If you're still beating yourself up over your past failures, which you have asked for forgiveness of, amen, which have been nailed to the cross, then you are denying the very work that Christ has done for you. Are you catching this? If you're still beating yourself up for past mistakes that you've asked for forgiveness of, amen, that have already been nailed to the cross, then you're denying the work that Christ has done for you. Your past sins are no longer a part of you. Hebrews 10, 17 says this. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Are you catching this? Why? Because you have been justified and made right with God. Therefore, you have peace with God. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you getting this? Are you catching this? I love Philippians 1.6. We need to take comfort in this promise. It says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to complete it. He's going to complete it in your life. Now what you need to do from this day forward to walk in victory over the accusations of the enemy is whenever you fall short, like I said earlier, just be quick to ask for forgiveness. Take ownership. Take responsibility. Don't water it down. Just call sin, sin. Amen? And and receive forgiveness and move forward. Listen to me. I want to throw this out there. It's important. I, I highlighted there, after you confess your sins, you need to receive that you've been forgiven. Why do I say that? Because a lot of times we ask for forgiveness for something, but we don't feel forgiven. It don't matter how you feel. God's word is true. It don't matter how you feel. God's word is true regardless of how you feel. So this is why you got to say, God, forgive me for my sins. Your word says in 1 John 1, 9, that if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so I receive, God, that I've been forgiven, Lord, 
And I thank you for it and move forward. Receive it. Don't look for a feeling. Stand upon his word. Because his word is true. Also, you need to start agreeing with what God says about you. Many of God's children, unfortunately, don't believe what the word says about them. And I, and I, and I can say this, amen, because I hear how some people talk. <laughs> As a pastor, <laughs> I hear how people talk about themselves, about their situations, and all the above. And see, here's the real truth. Out of the abundance of the what? Heart, the mouth speaks. So I can tell you where your faith is at by just simply listening to the words that come out of your mouth. Now, I didn't say what you practice in church saying, how you doing? Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed, brother. Too anointed to be disappointed. Show! You know what I'm saying? We got it down good. We got it down good. So I'm not talking about what you're saying in church. I'm talking about what are you saying out of church? How are you talking when no one's around? How are you speaking when no one's around? That's a real indicator of where your faith is at. Maybe we should ask your spouse or your kids what comes out of your mouth. We'll let, we'll, we'll let you know where your faith's really at. They know where your faith is really at. Huh? So whatever keeps coming out of your mouth is really where your faith is at. This is true. So the truth is, many of us know here what God says about us and what we have in Christ and so forth, but many don't really believe it here. They have head knowledge, not revelation knowledge. And there's a big difference. Head knowledge, anyone can recite it. But revelation knowledge transforms your life. Are you getting what I'm saying? See, you can tell any area the word of God has come alive to someone by simply how they live. Why? Because our behavior is based on belief. Are you getting that? I can tell you what you believe by how you live. I can tell you how much of the Bible you believe by how much of it you obey. Here's the truth. The only parts of the Bible that you really believe are the parts you obey. Oh, I'm going to say that again. The only parts of the Bible that you really believe are the parts you obey. All right, praise the Lord. See, what I want you to do is start getting your confession, your mind, mouth, and your heart in line with the Word of God, with what God says about you. Look at the screen here. I want to show you what God's Word says about you. How many here have received Jesus Christ in their heart as Lord and Savior? Raise your hand. Okay, listen to me. All of you that raised your hand, what we're going to read right here is true about you, whether you believe it or not. It's true. It is true whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not, it is true. Let me show you, and you can confess it out loud with me. And it says, look at right here, look at the following things here. I am forgiven, 
for all my sins and granted eternal life. I am greatly loved by God. I am his elect. I am born again. I am a child or son or daughter of God. I am a new creation in Christ. I have been rescued, amen, from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I am justified. I have peace with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am not my own. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I have been made a king and a priest to God. I have received the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to cast out demons, to speak with new tongues in Jesus' name. I've been given authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me. I have been given dominion over all the earth which was restored in Christ. I can do all things through Christ, Christ Jesus. I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony, Lord, my testimony. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am a part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a purchased people. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness, and poverty. I am healed by his stripes of Jesus. I am, I am raised with Christ and seated in the heavenly places. I have no lack for my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This is how God sees you, and this is what is for you. This is true. Now, I want to emphasize this. This is true about you, whether you believe it or not. Here's the key. Catch this. See, this is how God sees you. All this stuff we just read here, this is how God sees you, right? This is just imagine right here. This is how God sees you. But too many believers are living here in a place that they really don't believe that. And therefore, they're walking defeated, even though they got the victory. They're walking beat up with no authority, even though they've been given authority. They're walking all messed up right here. Why? Because they really don't believe they are who God says they are. But catch this. When someone can get their mind renewed, and get revelation by the Spirit about who they are, catch this, about who they are and what they have, then, then their character and their conduct will catch up to their identity. You catch that? It's already true about you, but to get you to walk in who you really are, your mind needs to be renewed. You need revelation knowledge. So in order for your character and your conduct to catch up with your identity, you need the word of God to come alive to you by the spirit of God. And this is why you need to ask the spirit of God for wisdom and revelation. Pray in line with Ephesians 1, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. That's what I, whenever I preach, I'm always quoting those scriptures. God, I pray for everyone for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened and I always add, and give them ears to hear what your spirit is saying. See, when I minister, I don't want to minister intellect to intellect. I want to minister spirit to spirit. I, I want it to penetrate your heart, to get to the depths of your being. Because when, it, when, it, when, when you're speaking intellect to intellect, you know, we can hear a good sermon. and we. But guess what? The moment we leave, we forgot it. It don't even take root and bear fruit. But when the spirit of God makes the word of God come alive to your spirit, it explodes. It transforms you. 
Amen? Impartation results in revelation, which results in transformation in your life. Amen? Impartation, revelation, which results in transformation. Can you say amen? We need impartation. We need impartation that, amen, that just comes alive to us by the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? See, all this is possible, who we've become, because of what Jesus has done. <laughs> because of what he did on the cross. And because he rose from the grave on the third day. That's why the gospel is the greatest news we can ever share with anybody. It gives hope to the hopeless. My gosh. It gives hope to the hopeless. There's so many people walking around thinking they'll never be able to do anything because all the words that have been spoken over their lives and all the lies they believe by the enemy. But when we can bring the good news and bring truth to them, their lives can be transformed and changed. Can you say amen? Think about this. None of us deserve any of those things to be true of us. None of us. This is what we call amazing grace. God's mercy and grace are so amazing. So what is grace and mercy? Simply put, grace is getting a gift you don't deserve. We don't deserve any of those things to be true of us. But by his grace, he says those things are true. Amen? And by his mercy, it's true. What is mercy? It's not getting what we do deserve. We deserve hell. But when we receive Jesus Christ in our heart as Lord and Savior... He withholds judgment and instead gives us grace. <laughs> you know, I've come to realize this truth. To really, under, to really appreciate mercy and grace, you have to first feel the weight of your sin. Oh, yeah. You have to have a real understanding about who you really are without Christ. If you can first feel the weight of your sin, feel the unworthiness of your, because of your sin, and then experience the cross, then you'll be so grateful for the mercy and grace of God. It's like the woman, you know, that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 7. And he was at the Pharisee's house, and you know, and the Pharisees act in a certain way, but I'm not going to go there right now. But the woman, Jesus basically says these words of her. He, she who has been forgiven much, right? He who is forgiven much loves much. Her sins, which are many, which were forgiven, caused her to love much. But that Pharisee stood as if he was Mr. Righteous. Hello, somebody. See, the more you realize you're lost, the more you appreciate the cross. Amen? I'm not trying to give you little fancy slogans or t-shirts or something, right? I'm trying to tell you truth here. Does the mercy and grace of God break you? Do you cry over the cross still? Or has the cross become common to you? When's the last time you cried because like, you're just in awe? of what he's done for you. See, when you, when, you, when, you, when you realize you've been forgiven much, you're not trying to now 
all of a sudden, you know, seek his approval through your works. No, no. Now, in response to being forgiven much, all you want to do is just live a life of worship. I'm not trying to gain my approval because I've already been approved. Everything I do now is just a response to what he's already done. I just love you, Lord, because you first loved me. Are you getting this? You know why people lose their, their, their first love? It's because the cross becomes common. It's true. It's just become a t-shirt or a sticker. It's true. When it becomes that way to you, you're just going through the motions. All right, I'll, I'll move forward. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay attention. Watch this. If the blood of Jesus had not been shed, then Satan's accusations against us would be unanswerable. But the blood meets every charge. Are you catching that? The blood of Jesus meets every charge, every accusation, every complaint, everything Satan's trying to accuse you of before our God. The blood meets every charge. Ho, ho, ho. Praise the Lord. That is good news. As I'm starting to bring this down, I want to just point out two more things real quickly. Hear me. Don't, I know a lot of times when we say in closing or bringing it down, we tune out. No, no, no. Tune in. Tune in. Because I want to show you how to put this into practice. How to apply what I'm showing you, what I'm teaching you today. The first thing I want to say real quickly is this. Listen to me. Please listen to me. With everything I'm talking about today, you need to renew your mind with these truths. So here's number one. You can't be lazy with your thought life. Did you hear what I just said? You cannot be lazy with your thought life. Look on the screen here. Always remember... A lazy thought life leads to a defeated Christian life. When you just sit there and just, you're, you're, you're not intentional with your thoughts. You're just lazy with your thoughts. You're just making room for the enemy just to bombard you and put all kinds of fiery darts there. And this is why many Christians are roller coaster Christians. They're up and down and all around because of all that's going on in their minds. They're like this. How you doing? You know, one minute they're on the mountaintop. Bless the Lord. God is good. An hour later, well, what happened to you? I was just on the phone with you an hour ago and you was doing real good. What is really going on? Because what you're dwelling upon, what you're allowing to fill your mind. So listen to me. You cannot be lazy with your thought life. You have to be intentional with your thought life. Is this scriptural? Yes, it is. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Watch this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For what? Pulling down strongholds. In this context here, what are strongholds? Mindsets. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing, bringing every what? Thought in the captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
You have to bring every thought into captivity. You have to do it. I can't do it for you. I can't go over to you and take your thoughts, amen, and cast them down and fill your mind with other things. No. Only you can do it. This is why you can't be lazy with your thought life. Hear what I'm telling you. Again, I want to stress. A lazy thought life leads to a defeated Christian life. Just maybe the reason you're struggling in your walk with God is because you're lazy with your thought life. Just maybe. Just maybe because you're being your roller coaster of Christianity is because you're lazy with your thought life. Just maybe. Got real quiet. I heard you hooting and hollering here just a minute ago. I thought this was Praise Chapel Paramount. What's going on? Last thing, and I don't have time to go really in depth about it. Worship team, you guys can come on up here. Is listen to me. With every fiery dart, with everything the enemy speaks, you need to speak truth to it. We need to follow the example of Christ. When he was tempted, every time the enemy spewed a lie, what did Jesus do? He spoke truth. You have to be, amen, on the offensive. You have to be aggressive. You have to be intentional. You cannot be lazy with your walk with God. Can you say amen? amen. So renew your mind with the truths that we talked about, with who you are in Christ. Amen? Keep your mind in line with it. Listen to me. Be disciplined to keep your mind, your mouth, and your heart in line with the Word of God. Be disciplined to not allow your mind to think contrary to God's Word. You can't help the first fiery dart, but you can control what you dwell upon. You can control what comes out of your mouth. Hello? I know some of you are like, no, I can't. Yes, you can. <clears throat> you, you know, you have discipline in church. You have discipline when your pastor calls you. You're like this, going all crazy. Ah! All of a sudden you get a phone call. Hey, pastor. How you guys doing there? Good. Yes, pastor. I know, it's not you guys. It's people in the Bay Area like that. Amen. Don't tell me you don't have self-control. You're just choosing not to. Keep your mouth in line with God's word. Keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence. Right? For out of it flows the issues of life, right? So guard your heart. Keep it in line with God's word. Can you say amen? Did you get something tonight? I want you all to close your eyes. Just bow your heads right where you're at, please. Just close your eyes. First, I, I, I don't know everyone here. And I want you just to close your eyes. I, I, don't worry about the person on the left or right of you. Just close your eyes. And I want to ask everyone here the most important question of their life. But God forbid, if you died tonight, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? 
The truth is, you know inside your heart if you're right with God or not. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that, that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so I want to ask you, are you right with God? See, there's only one thing that separates us from God, and that one thing is sin. And that's the very thing that Jesus came and died for was sin. He paid for it in full. And because he paid for our sins in full, he can freely offer forgiveness to anyone who comes to him. He paid for it. And so all you have to do is humble yourself and realize that you're a sinner in need of a savior and know that there's no other way to heaven but through Christ. That you can't earn your way. That not enough good works can get you into heaven. It's only the work of Christ. And if you realize that, and you're willing to give your life to him and say, you know what, I want Jesus. I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I know without Christ only hell awaits me, but I want eternal life. I want a new, I want a fresh start in life. I want to be with God forever. If that's you and you feel a conviction in your heart, you're feeling that tug because you know you're not right, please raise your hand. Anybody here, you say, you know what, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Christ. Anybody here, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Anybody here? I trust, I see one hand back there. Anybody else? Say, I want to give my life to Christ. Anybody else? I see another hand right there. Anybody else? Don't waste your, don't, 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 don't pass this opportunity. Anybody else? You say, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm ready. I, or maybe you want to rededicate your life. You know you've walked away, but you want to come back. If that's you, raise your hand. Anybody here? Anybody here? Amen. The two of you over here in this left side here, did you mean that tonight? I know you did. My brother, did you mean that tonight? Amen. I want you to take a bold step, both of you, if you don't mind. I'd love for you to both come up here, if okay? I'm not trying to embarrass you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you, bro. God bless you. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, okay? Amen. There's some altar workers here, but I want to lead you into a prayer of surrenderance to Jesus. Okay, I want to lead you in a prayer, but listen to me. This prayer that I'm going to lead you in, that I want you to repeat after me, it won't mean nothing unless you mean it from your heart. So are you ready to give your life to Christ? Yeah? Okay, I want you to repeat this prayer after me to God. Say, my Lord and my God, I come to you as a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the grave on the third day. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be the Lord of my life and the Savior of my soul. Wash me clean in the precious blood that was shed on the cross for my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let me tell you guys something. The Bible says in Luke 15, 10, that there's joy in the presence of the angel Lord over one sinner who repents. That means you caused a party in heaven. <laughs> Amen. And we celebrate here on earth with you guys. Amen. God is good. They're going to spend time with you guys. Don't leave yet. They want to talk to you guys. God bless you. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. You, you are forgiven for all your sins. You're a son. Amen. Saints of God. I know that this message spoke to you, and I'm not trying to keep you all night. 
But the worst thing you can do after hearing a message that speaks to your heart is not to talk to God about what he was talking to you about. So I want to encourage everyone just to take a few minutes to talk to God about what he was talking to you about tonight. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage as all of you or whatever, how you want to do it, just fill this altar. Come on up here. Come on. Just fill this altar. Speak to God. Let God set you free. Let him break the, uh, the bondage in your life. Let him shake the mindsets in your life. Let him remove them. Get, let him exchange it with your true identity in Christ. The altar workers that are, that pastor that you have to pray for folks, you know, you, if you've been released to pray for folks, please come up here and help us pray for some people. Amen. I want to encourage you, as you're up here, be real with God. Let him set you free. Receive that you've been forgiven. Receive that you're a son or a daughter of God. Receive that you're a citizen in God's kingdom. Some of you need to call sin, sin in your life. There's some areas that God has been wanting for you to give to him. I want to encourage you tonight to give those areas to God. Stop fighting God and release it to him. Give it to him tonight. Give it all to him. Surrender. He promises if you confess your sins, to forgive you for all your sins. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.